Hey everyone, welcome to She Brigade, the podcast. I'm your host, Bilun Jamusemeche. At She Brigade, we aim to empower by aspiring to storytelling. On this show, we chat to different phenomenal women around South Africa, and we dive into their stories and journeys that have led them to where they are today. Let's dive in. Okay, hey everyone, welcome to another episode of She Brigade. Um, on today's show, we have Liat Madinane. Liat is a 22 year I can't believe you're 22 years old, just by the way, but anyway, we'll get into that. <laughs> Liat currently works as an operations manager for an education-based nonprofit organization. She's also an advocate for equal educational rights, as well as access and exposure for students from previously disadvantaged communities. Um, she's also an entrepreneur, which we're going to probably talk a lot about today. Uh, Liat has a marketing management and brand communications company called Seeker Creative Agency. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Pelo. Um, I'm I'm so happy to be here. Uh, like it's been a guys, it's been a long time coming. We were supposed to meet like months ago, and yeah. <laughs> luckily the universe has brought us together, and now we're here. Perfect timing. Perfect, Perfect timing. timing. Right? <laughs> yeah. So um, okay. So as always, we like to start from the beginning on the show. So take us back all the way to the beginning. Who is Liad? Like, where do you come from and what has led you to being who you are today? Thank you so much and thank you for that question. You know, it's a very hard question considering yeah. the fact that we usually just live our lives and forget that there's that fragile but also sentimental part of who we are, which mm. is the beginning of where it actually all begins. Yeah. So, um, Liat... Um, <laughs> I hate talking about myself in second person. Um, so I am from Malmuth. I was born and bred in a small town. It's in KZN, uh, Malmuth. Um, grew up there with my mother and two sisters. So um, I'm the oldest of three. Mm-hmm. And um, I've been in boarding school almost home, all my life when I come to think about it because my parents got divorced when I was five years old. So by six, which I think was in grade R, I was in boarding school. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But lucky enough, it was only for like a good two years. I think by the time I was in grade two, my mother then moved to the town because she was in the rural areas at the time, which is then in Dalton, where her parents uh, lived. So thereafter, I lived with my mom and two sisters. But by the time I was in grade eight, I went back into boarding school. And that mm. has been my entire high school life but funny enough um I've been to almost three different high schools which is weird but yeah high school is like five years long (laughs) I know I know but looking back now I I mean it I just see how important and how how relevant it was for me to go through that because Mm. um when I left uh grade seven and went into high school I went into a high school it was a Roman Catholic high school which was called in Gamane so I was there for only a year but it was a very you know intimate close type of school there was only maximum 200 students from grade eight to matric from grade seven to matric and I went there in grade eight and it was it was very family orientated, which I believe is some values that I that I learned. They have played a very pivotal role in my life going forward. Mm. Um, then I went to another school, which was in a rural area. It was actually a government school, public school, because um, Ngamani was half public, half private in a way. But then I went into a school where there was like thousands and thousands of students, what a which was a very it was a black school for lack of a better word but it wasn't a multiracial school that's what I'm trying to say yeah so I went there where there's like full black people all teachers are black you know and I had never been exposed to that because in primary I was in a multiracial primary in Kamani yes was had a lot of um almost all the students were black but all the teachers were white and some I mean some of the sisters and and nuns were black and white but it was a very you know, you could feel that multiracial, like you had to do Afrikaans, there was English, you know. But when I went to Masubumbani, it was a completely different environment where I was exposed to something that I had never really taken in my whole life. Mm. But that time as well made me realize so much about myself because I came from a space where I was around so many so many smart people. As much as when I got there, there were a lot of smart people. I still have friends who are now doctors some still I mean still doing medicine pharmacy completed pharmacy like amazing careers Mm. but I mean you know that whole 
growing up in an era where you thought English was a measure of your intelligence. Yes, and now yeah. you're in a space where everyone is black and, you know, Zulu is just, it's it. It was a complete shift for me. But it really also played a very pivotal role because at that time, that's when I exposed myself to a lot of activities you'd find that schools like this like the school that I went to Masbombani for one or schools in rural areas are seen as schools that don't have um mutual activities but when I got there there was debating there was public speaking you know it was great and I involved myself in all Mm. of that then finally I went to Sunnydale which was basically the end of my high school and then it was I, I, I got to that school in grade 11 which for me was I mean, anyone who, I mean, we can all relate because we've been through high school. Grade 11 is like the epitome of yeah. success. No, like grade <laughs> 11 is actually really hard. It's, it's almost harder than matric. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I got there and I had to do geography for the first time because the school I was in didn't offer the, I mean, I was a science student. So when I got there, the, the subjects were quite different. So I had to take oh. on geography in order for me to do math and science. And I took on geography from grade 11 and I excelled. I mean, I worked very hard. I met amazing friends there. I think that was those two years were just the underlying tone or the bedrock of my work ethic, my discipline, you know, understanding that I can never fail anything for as long as I tell myself that I'm about to do it. And yeah, so that has just been, I mean, the foundation of my academic life. But I feel like in all those experiences and in the shifting and in the transitioning of all of that, I remember when I was in Sunnydale in grade 11, I used to be very, very um, entrepreneurial. Like I used to sell at school. I was that girl. I mean, I was a pretty girl (laughs) and I had pretty friends, but we still like we'd have, like I I started off selling muffins. I was like that girl that sold muffins. So you actually would bake muffins at home and bring them to school. (laughs) And then I, then I moved to a hostel because in grade, the first year when I got to grade 11, I was staying at home and I traveled, but it was like a 45 to 30 minutes drive so it was a bit hectic then I moved into hostel and I started selling like champions I started selling things that I had to stock but for me then because I was a science student I never really grasped that that was a passion of mine Uh. or that I was excited by the thoughts of profits. I was excited by the thoughts of marketing myself. I was excited by the thoughts of trying to sell a product. I was excited by sales. I was, you know, I never really took it mm. in because I was so like science was the it thing in and, my and, school. And that that is how we're trained, right? Like you go to school and it's you, you either choose the business subjects. Mm. So you you don't think of business in an entrepreneurial way. You mm. think of it as accounting. Yes. Or this and or you do the science subjects. So you think, okay, doctor. Or, you know exactly yeah. so you can't you you you, you can't box, think outside of that box yes. you box yeah. you know and that was my reality to such mm. an extent that i lacked a lot of career guidance when i was in school i i i was very and looking back now i was very careless in the subjects that i chose for my university for furthering my education which is university i never really took it seriously not because i didn't take myself seriously but because i had never really grasped what it was that I wanted to do Mm. within myself as a person. And that's why in my job now, career guidance and uh, mentorship is very close to my heart because I understand that it can really lead you to wasting a lot of time yeah so it's something that i advocate for something that i that i stand for in the programs that we do within the organization the the organization in which i work for so but anyway i went into university i did uh, a bachelor of social science at the time and i completed that with the whole mindset, I mean, while I was doing the degree, I started realizing that I was very entrepreneurial. Mm. I mean, I've always possessed an entrepreneurial spirit my entire life. And as much as I really believe that entrepreneurs are not born, I believe that they are made, but I do feel like you know if you're an entrepreneur. It's like you just carry it with you. It's almost like entrepreneurship chooses you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's, you know, because when you look back and it comes so easy for you and it, it's so effortless yes the hardship and everything is there but mm-hmm. it always feels it always feels like you're just doing what you're supposed to be doing in a way so I remember so many incidents in my life where entrepreneurship kept showing up I was in varsity doing my first year and I started a handbag business you know I had always been oh. obsessed with sales and mm-hmm. making money and you know being profitable so I started the business 
and starting that business and I look back now and I and that's one thing I commend myself for and that I, I urge a lot of people to also identify in themselves, which is the process in which you attain uh, whatever it is, whether you call it success or that milestone or that goal. Because before I started the handbag business, I had a conversation with a friend of mine and I told her, I was like, oh, I think I want to start a business. We should start a business. You know, when you're young and you <laughs> fight, you're like, we should mm. do this and that. And then I sat down and I remember there was a lady by the name of Nananjilo. She owned a, she still owns a, a boutique in, in Peter Marisburg. I was at UK, it in Peter Marisburg at the time. And she owned this boutique and I used to look at her boutique online and I saw her number. I sent her a WhatsApp or SMS. I can't really remember at the time. And she responded. I was like, mm. can I please have a meeting with her? I didn't even tell her what I want to talk about. <laughs> she like, Let's said, meet. no problem. I remember very well. She said she's available at nine o'clock. We can meet at Spur. And the university was right next to Spur, which was at Scottville. And I remember literally at half past eight, I was at Spur waiting for her. She came there and I told her, I introduced myself and I told her I wanted to start a business. I was interested in handbags and I saw she has a boutique and I'd love her to mentor me. I'd appreciate it if she could guide me. And, you know, and she was there like, okay, no, lovey, I hear you understand. And then she's like, okay, this is how it works. She told me that she gets her things from, uh, from China to be specific or abroad. And she just, she took me through her journey and she's like, let me give you this contact liaise with this person and see if this speaks to you and if you need any help then you can you can reach out yeah. to me and I took the contact and I ran with the contact and I started the business the business was making 100% profit it yeah. was I, had, I wasn't paying for storage because I'd store the, the I'd store the handbags where I lived and I left yeah. the dress at the time so I had no now I'm running a business that has overhead expenses. <laughs> I'm looking back at that business. I'm like, yo, you know, that business was you had it good. <laughs> you had it good back then. Yeah. You know, but there were no expenses whatsoever. But where I'm going with the process is that I was running that business. And I remember I bought stock that time, I think for 5,000 Rand. I bought mm-hmm. stock for 5,000 Rand. I went to get my stock from customs. I paid, I think, 800 Rand at customs. And I sat down. I had the stock. And I wrote, like, I wrote it out, like, stock 5,000. 5, uh, I wrote out, like, because I had to take a taxi to Durban. I, I, so I noted how much I had to spend on transport. I wrote all of that down. I had a total. And then I multiplied that by two. And then I divided by the number of bags. Oh my God. But when I'm going, that I, I had never done accounting. And yeah. I know that's not an accounting way of doing business. But it made so much sense for me as an entrepreneur because I understood that every finance or every monetary value that I've invested into this thing that I'm calling a business, I need to see a return in investment. So, sure. and you knew that, like you just knew that yeah you had to do that and you know i did accounting last year and when i did my uh postgrad i was like yeah i always had it in me (laughs) (laughs) i mean i struggled struggled in accounting (laughs) that's not for me but you know but it goes back to just saying that um the process is everything i believe that the process is everything yes it sometimes it doesn't have to make sense it doesn't have to i don't need to have to say that counting term to understand that a business for a business to be to work it needs to be sustainable and it needs to be feasible it needs to it needs to make sense you know what i mean so um i think i mean that was four years ago if i'm not mistaken but the principles that i learned from that business and just convincing people to purchase from me you know at that time i had never seen or well not seen i had never really thought of myself as someone who would go into marketing Mm. but i remember just looking at the handbags and be like okay i need to get these handbags to the people that i want to sell to and I didn't understand how I was going to do it because because obviously I was studying mm. and there was social media, but, you know, it could do just as much. Then I started like doing these concerted events and this was in 2015 or something. I started doing these concerted events where I'd invite women, um, well, sell tickets and get women into a room, got speakers, and then I'd have like the handbags as centerpieces on the table and we'd have like a stand with the handbags within the court that's the such event. a good idea like, <laughs> yeah and you know it came you know i didn't have to now i sit down and i brainstorm these things but at that time it just came so like, okay, naturally okay. for mm. me you know and that's that's i think that's one thing that makes my relationship with entrepreneurship so special i i have this thing of believing that i feel like i would be miserable if i wasn't an entrepreneur mm. because 
I feel like I would be literally belittling and looking down at all this gift or the skill or this capability that has been entrusted in me to actually put out to the world. And if I would literally allow fear to take over, then I wouldn't necessarily be doing myself or God justice with mm. what he has gifted me with. If you get what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so you got into, you, you ended up going for normal, normal inverted. Like, yeah. Funny as normal job. Yeah. Funny enough, um, I, you know, I look back, I, I, I've never in my whole life, okay, let me take that back. I have applied for jobs a lot, uh, several times actually, a lot, and I've been rejected and so forth. But the two jobs, I've had two jobs, actually three jobs, but I'll say two, which is the core two jobs that I've had my whole life, and I was offered those jobs. Oh. Okay, I'll say three because I believe I should also mention this first job that I had. So I was still studying during my third year at the time, and you know, I've always been overly ambitious. <laughs> ambition, me and ambition, same as same yeah. <laughs> So I was doing my third year, I started applying for jobs, applying for jobs, obviously getting rejection letter after rejection letter. Sure. And then eventually I got an offer from this property company. They were like, oh, okay, no, come in. We want to hear out what you'd like to help with. Obviously, mm. they were they were moving into property flipping. They had this whole property business model, but they were they wanted to start something else on the side, which was property flipping, yeah. which is buying property, developing it, and reselling and so forth. So then they, I came into their offices, and you know they didn't have a job post. I just came in there and I just sold myself. They asked me a whole lot of questions, which are like general questions. You know, the first few questions they ask you in an interview. Yeah, yeah. Before they <laughs> you ask you the skills about yourself. Exactly. Yeah. So I sold myself, sold myself, and then they were like, "Okay, to be honest, we just wanna go into this, and we haven't really." figured it out ourselves so we want to take you in as like a property administrator oh, okay. so our administrator per se so you just have to now um we'll have these properties that will be coming in you just have to choose the ones that make sense present them to this board and then they'll approve and purchase and then you'll take you'll speak to the attorneys with the you know yeah just that and i was like okay um all right sure. makes sense i'm gonna get paid so i might as well so i took the job and I was in the job and I didn't have a manager. So I've never really had a manager my whole life. I've never had a manager or a supervisor per se. Because at that job, I really didn't have a manager. All I did was get this influx and then I'd make presentations. Then I'd present. And then they, once they approve of those properties, then we'd make sure that the sale's done and then that's gone. So that's all I was doing. But I did that, I think, for like four months, if not five months. And I remember this one time, it was in Umhlanga and I lived in Glenwood at the time. So... I wanted to go do my nails. I made a booking. The survey's like, yeah, come, in, come through, girl. Like around five. And I think they were closing at six o'clock. So I got there. Like, I'm so stressed. I'm late. And they're going to be closing. And when I walked into the at survey, there was a few people, maybe four or five people, started doing my nails. Then I moved to go do my toes. And I sit, you know, on those couches. Yeah. And right next to me, like now this store it was sobe <laughs> i don't know if to call it a salon or a store but <laughs> Something anyway, in between. yes sobe was basically empty it was just me and this lady and the lady that was sitting next to me was smangele matibeli who's my mentor now so she was sitting next to me on her phone literally like she had those uh louis vuitton pouches her louis vuitton bag <laughs> you know, looking like a drama queen that she is but gorgeous and she was getting her her nails done as well so i stood there i'm like are we going to do this? Are we not going to do this? Are we going to do this? Are we not going to do this? I'm like, hell no. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, hi. And I'm like, oh, because I had been following her on Instagram. Yeah. And I started a conversation, a very shallow but direction oriented conversation. Yeah, you knew where it was going. <laughs> yeah. You knew where it was going. And she kind of headed towards my direction. I'm like, yes, okay. And then I started just engaging her. And to be honest, the whole conversation just I mean, my whole plan was I really just wanted her to know who I was mm, and just mm. have an interest in further communicating with me in the future. But we just ended up talking about the work that I've done, uh, the events that I had done with the woman, my handbag business. And then I was like, you know, I want to do something and I'd really love for you to support it. If you can just give me a meeting, I'd really appreciate it. And she's mm -hmm. like, okay, no problem. She gave me her card. She's like, I'm going to send her an email. 
and so forth. So a week later, I sent her an email, requested to meet her. And I think that's a Monday. And she's like, okay, I'm available on a Friday. Come to my restaurant. She owned a restaurant also in Mshanga, very close in proximity to my office. Yeah. So I head to the restaurant. I get there. I saw her this concept, which was a concept revolving around women and bringing women together you know, the works. So she listened to me. She's like, okay, I love your concept. I do a lot. And I'd love to support it. But I mean, I'd also like to support you. How about you come and work for me? Oh, wow. <laughs> and, you know, mind you, I have this job. And I, I, I think, yes, I met her. <laughs> well, she doesn't know this. But she will know now. I met her, I think it was around 12 o'clock. And I was on lunch at my actual job. <laughs> and at that time, the second she said that, Went back to the office, wrote my resignation letter. Oh my God. Same thing. <laughs> Yo, that's amazing. I know. And I think I think that was like mid-month and beginning of the next month, I started working for her. And she- that was a life-changing experience for me. Mm. Like, I think she serves as one of the most important people in my entire career and journey in entrepreneurship um yeah so i worked for her and she's a slave driver you know she took me everywhere she went um she gave me a whole lot of work we fought most of the time you know but she respected me and she always reminded me of how good i was you know she'd actually tell me sometimes that you know you're good at this you know i can't do this i can't do what you're doing that's how good you are at it mm. you know that's so she for, she was such an empowering leader and that's why i mean she's my mentor today i i go see her as well i mean i make sure that i see her once a month but we don't plan it if i need advice on anything i just call and she's like oh you can come into the office if she needs help with anything if she needs a contact if she needs someone who knows how to develop something she calls me mm. i i always go an extra mile for her but that was just the whole thing so from there i mean i worked for her for almost a year and the opportunity to then move into the NPO came, um, which was also through a friend. So I, at that time, I was doing content. I was doing a lot of marketing work with her. And obviously, I was doing the postgrad at the time. I was also doing a, a, a program at Vega, brand communication, marketing management at Vega. So I was very... It was so exciting for me. Marketing was still it. Like, I just wanted to do things that were aligned to this because it was making me so excited. And I'd always, like, help people do content for people. Um, If someone's starting a business, I'd always give them marketing strategies free of charge. I mean, it didn't even feel like I was charging. I was just helping because I was consuming all of this content. Yeah, you you, you, you were also learning in some way. Yeah. Yeah. So it's... Until I, I helped a, a friend of mine and she was working with the NPO that I'm working for now. So we did content and one of the con- concepts that I had helped develop um, with her, which was part of just introducing IT into rural schools, we had done the document together and then she was like, okay, no, I think you should, we should both go and 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 pitch this document to the chairman who's my boss now and i was like oh you serious she's like yeah yeah he's coming to durban i'm gonna get a meeting for us and i was like all right no problem friend i really appreciate it so she comes she picks me up from my old office old employers are gonna be like let's go she picks me up and then we go there, I meet the chairman, I, I present the concept and um and at that time I was applying for the fellowship program and I also asked him to just um help and write me a recommendation letter. So we started just engaging thereafter. And he was just like, you know, I see that you're very passionate about this and you're really into it. How about you send your CV to my HR team? So he gives me the email for this HR guy. I sent my CV. I get called in for the interview, which was in November. Mm-hmm. I think I had resigned from uh, my the company that I was working for, Unique Communications, in October. Then I took, I went for a trip for my birthday. And then I came back and I went for the interview in November. So I got offered that job. So, mm. And obviously, I mean, the foundation was still fairly new, but we wanted to take it a very, another direction. So I had pitched that to the, to, I, I had a presentation during my interview. 
<laughs> so I pitched the whole idea and the whole vision because I had already been working with content for the foundation. So, so you I understood it and you were interested in it. Yes, so yes. I had, and I came up with programs and I and I sold the, the programs to the HR team and they were very impressed. Mm. So they offered me the job and then they just asked me to run the thing. And I was like, oh, okay, I'd love to do that. Give me my package. I was, well, happy. So I took it and I mean, it was a start. And so I've been with them since. So it's been a journey and a half. But when I look at it now, I'm tapping into entrepreneurship in the most intense and in the most humbling ways. And I'm seeing how all these experiences have just shaped and led to the person that I am as an entrepreneur now, you know, Mm. and how each and every person that has invested in me, believing in me to contribute to their vision has somehow left a part of them with me and the process and I'm able to use all of that to be a better leader in my own organization Mm. so it's 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 really it's been amazing to be honest and the reason I'm saying perfect timing is when we had the conversation about the podcast I was still just thinking I need to get the office I was getting codes after codes doing interviews and I mean Monday this past Monday my the very first employee of my company started working which was so humbling for me oh my gosh that is exciting i know (laughs) so 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 while we're on that at what point did you start seeker and why 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 did you call it i was like but I was asking about people and how, how they name things. I feel like it says yeah, a lot about it. Why yeah. did you name it Seeker Creative Agency? And when in this journey did you start to start it? Mm. I mean, you know, I, I, I strongly believe that I've just been carrying this business with me for mm. like the longest time. Um, as much as I don't know, I can never really pinpoint to say this is when it came to me, you know. But I, Seeker is a result of all my experiences. Firstly, I named it Seeker because um, a few years ago, I went onto a program, a female program. It was in Zimbabwe. Um, I went there and it was very, I mean, it was intense because it was in a village. Uh, I just forgot what's the name of that village in particular because it was a few years back. I think it was in 2015. Um, And I remember just the humanity of all those people because obviously it was, and Zimbabwe was going through the most at that time mm. in terms of just the economy as a whole. But now being in a village on top of all of that was just on an ex- it was extremities. But I was very interested in the language, the Sean. I I tried my best to learn a lot about <laughs> it. And years later, I mean, I then went into this com- the communications company where I was working very closely with SMA, and I just realized how easy marketing came for me how easy communicating brands came for me Mm. how easy like I I I always you know I I can secure a client I believe I I I think I'm one of the best people in the in the boardroom like give me a boardroom give me a panel like I will I'll blow your mind (laughs) so but and and I remember this one time Sma actually instructed me because she had another meeting and there was a meeting that she had to go to in Durban she's like yes I can't go there please go to this meeting on my behalf. And I remember getting to that meeting and just watching people present. And, you know, I could just see mistakes. You know, when you're just sitting there and you can literally see how you can do it or say yeah, it. Yeah, I would have put it better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was sitting there and I could... And the, those were like the evolutions for me. Those were the evolutions of my life. And I remember I had thought about the business but I had just kept it, you know. I thought about it, and then I just put it at the back of my head, and I continued with life. And I rem- and I think, to be honest, I officially started the business this year, but I had the logo the year before, already, <laughs> which is weird mm. because I was just thinking, and I was, I just, I was thinking about the whole trip in Zimbabwe, and I was just going through Google, just looking at Shona words, and and I came across Sika, which means to create in Shona oh, so I was okay. like okay yeah. <laughs> so oh, that's Vika creative agency mm. so basically it's like because I, I have this thing as, as much as sometimes I some of my clients I'm working with people that come with to me with businesses that are already operational or concept that they've already came up 
or created on their own. But I still feel, and that that's just the underlying tone of my, the entire vision of my business is to create something bigger for my clients. So that's why I decided to also call it a creative agency because I, I don't want to box my business to what I think um, I can do now because mm. I, my business model can change. I'm mm. actually open to my business model changing. Maybe marketing and brand communication is not even the core business of my business. Maybe it's just what is going to lead to the core the bigger thing. Business, and we're talking you know about I mean? the bigger purpose earlier. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. So that's why I just I wanted to open it up and allow it to evolve in its own way. Mm. So, but to be honest, to officially like establish the business, I I, I regard to it as being fully established in 2019 because that's when I just I I came to terms with the fact that I need to understand that I'm an entrepreneur. And I need to be able to take entrepreneur mm. risks. I need to behave like an entrepreneur. I need to now, you know. So that's when I decided we're branding this thing properly. We're getting an office. We're hiring someone, people in the future. But that's when I just told myself, I need to run a business. I need to, I need to offer my clients value so that I can get more clients. So yes, my business is client-orientated and as we speak, I have an I have amazing clients. Some clients that I did work for, and because I gave them such amazing work, they were like, "Do this and this for us. Do this and this. How about you open up to this?" And part of what the business is going to be doing in the future, and this came through an interaction I had with one of my biggest clients, um, is an NPO in a box. So we're having a concept within the Seeker Creative Agency that's going to focus on branding and establishing NPOs primarily for corporate companies. Oh. So we're offering them packages to literally brand, like establish brand, uh, create programs, and then facilitate their outreach programs on their behalf mm. as well. So it's so I keep seeing purpose introduce itself, even in the whole business model, because I think also another thing with me, with, with Sika, is that I really feel like I'm passionate about my business. I'm not just passionate about marketing and branding. Yeah. I'm passionate about my business. I'm passionate about the fact that I believe that my business is going to grow and it's going to grow to whatever that it's capable of growing towards. And if you get what I mean. Mm. So I'm passionate about investing my time, my effort, my my entire energy. Yeah. <laughs> I said to Zugiswa, my uh, the lady I, I work with, I said I invested my heart and soul <laughs> <laughs> because I I know that it's gonna work, and I and I'm, I'm and I understand that I have to work hard for it to work. I understand that I have to learn. I have to accept criticism. I have to you know be professional at all times when I engage my clients. Mm. I I have to learn things that I I. I don't even think I necessarily need to learn, but I need to learn them. And it's funny how when I was just thinking um, on Monday, I mean, when we moved into the office, that this business has actually introduced me to people I would have never imagined engaging my entire life. You know, one of my clients, she came to pick me up. We were going for a presentation with her husband and she came to pick me up in her Maserati. I mean, <laughs> I know the husband, he's a very well respected businessman in Durban. But you know, for me, she was like, No, yes, I'll come pick you up. It's fine, I'll come pick you up. And I was like, Lord, what's happening? <laughs> you know? And I get there and I present and they're like, No, we're happy with that. We also want you to do this and this. I'm like, wait, <laughs> wait, yeah, wait, calm down. <laughs> Calm down, I need to breathe, you know, but it's 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 humbling. Mm. It's overwhelming, mm. but it's humbling because it 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 challenges I believe I have an intense work ethic. So how will I know how intense my work ethic can be if I don't have that amount of work? Mm. <laughs> That's true. You know, you touched on so many things, right? So it's kind of like it's not really questions, I just want to comment on some of them. Mm. Like well, some of them might be questions. You know, when you mentioned, like, you know, there's, they, they, it's 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 incredible that point as an entrepreneur. I I don't know if I'm an entrepreneur yet myself. Mm. I'm still figuring it out. But like, there comes that point in your business where you like, I need to start taking myself seriously. Mm. Like, you know, because you mm. spoke about how then you realized I need to like this is a business. Yeah, I need and there's goals like that moment when you realize that it's incredible and you start realizing this means sacrifice. 
this means working extra hard this like that moment when it comes to you is incredible i relate to so many things that you talk about and i love that there's an interview that i did with so i have another series that i collaborated with in good company with it's not out yet well mm-hmm. yeah it'll be out like this week mm-hmm. and i interviewed this lady zesipo mm-hmm. you you, oh, you remind me so much of her because <laughs> as she talks about how easy it is she just says Every time you say this, I just think of her like it's easy. Mm, like mm. it'll come to you. It's oh, easy. It's so easy. It's actually you know we complicate things and we fight things so hard and but it's actually so easy. Mm. And and you it's know, always there. And you know it's right when it's easy. Like you know it's, it's right when it's easy. It like, doesn't mean that it's it, not gonna stress you. It absolutely. doesn't mean that it's and not it's, gonna frustrate. But it's yeah. just it's calming. There's just that calming. Mm. Like it's almost like. You know, I would be doing anything else in this world, but here I am doing this, and I feel like I'm doing the right thing. Yeah, it's like the it, right thing for me. You know, you know, it's like the the the, the anxiety. Not that you only have anxiety, mm. but there's a different kind of thing where you know, maybe mm. if you at your job and let's say you don't like it, yeah. maybe you don't like it. That it's for a reason that you feel these things. Like mm. there's this quote that I really, really, really love. I've probably mentioned it before in the podcast as well. It says. You are not meant to bear that which you find. I'm like paraphrasing. You're not meant to bear that which you find burdensome to carry. You're meant to change. That's why you feel it. Mm. Like we, we, we. Sometimes when we're in like the, 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 the environments that we don't like, yeah. we stick with them. But like, it's not meant to be that hard. True. Very you shouldn't true. be in those spaces. Yeah. You know, yeah. like the things you're meant to be doing. It's easy. It's there. It's mm. always there. So you know, like. How I'm, I'm really enjoying this conversation. I'm happy. I'm thinking of so it. many things now, and I'm like, yeah, like you're talking to I'm me. I'm enjoying it myself. I yeah, it's lot. it's easy. Sorry. Mm. Anyways, <laughs> so you speak a lot about um the great things that you've accomplished and everything, mm. right? So I want you to talk a bit about the lows. The lows. Yeah. So yeah, because you know we it's it's. The, the the great the good things are great and we mm. have to celebrate we have to have, you have to have to, have to celebrate the good mm. things but the lows we have to talk about the lows as yeah. well because as it easy as much as you're saying like you were saying it's not that it's not going to be hard mm. the easiness is just a different kind of easy but there mm. are hardships that will come true, true. Mm. no there's been a lot of hardships <laughs> a lot of them a lot a lot a lot of them I think even I mean for a person like myself I experienced a lot of hardships growing up mm. um you can just imagine I, I I lost my dad. I mean, they just got divorced, but I lost my dad because the relationship between my dad after the divorce was practically not there anymore because mm. of how toxic and how uncomfortable that divorce was between my parents for us as kids as well. So that was like a hardship on its own. Um, and I keep seeing it show up in my life. You know, I not growing up without a father has, um, and at one point I thought I had daddy issues. And then, and then I kind of like reversed. I'm like, uh-uh, hold up. <laughs> but you know, but it has, it has shown up a lot mm. in my life. And it's, it's something that I, that I deal with. I, I've, I've, I've acknowledged that I lost my dad in 2017. Um, so um, the, the anger and the bitterness you know, I had to allow it to go with that as well because I felt like I was still carrying it all the way through until I lost him mm. through a car accident. But I had to then do a lot of healing. But I also feel like the lack of my father in my life has somehow contributed at how intense I went into my aspirations, my, yeah. my success, you know, my career. It, 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 it's some way or the other... I, I do feel that I feel like the my upbringing and being raised by a single mother who had to make so many sacrifices and just being in the midst of that being the older sister it has just pushed me in one way or the other mm. and it's funny because I also look at you know look at how I believe I mean I believe I'm young and I and I look at what I've accomplished and I'm like I think it also plays a role because I understood that I didn't have time you know, mm. uh, in the sense of I had two younger sisters counting on me. I had my mother counting on me. So I needed to just go all in. And that's not just glorious. That involves a lot of black tax. Yeah, <laughs> that involves yeah. a lot of, you know, not getting things that you wish your parents could do for you and understanding that it's not because they don't want to, but because they don't have the means. Mm. And also understanding that it's not just always going to be like this. And if it's going to change, it's going to have to change with you. 
mm. you know so it it has been there's been a lot of hardships with that uh but also other hardships that i i do believe that came a lot with just the failures the internal failures though because i'm not saying that i've never had external failures yeah. i've had a whole lot of those but i think they they bigger within myself because of the expectation i have of myself you know i've had a whole lot of those i you know because i'm i'm as i did mention i'm very ambitious i set intense goals for myself i so every time i i have setbacks and i know and i'm happy that they're personal because i got to deal with them on my own <laughs> but you know but they but they there but to be honest i can't i would not say that losing my dad was uh the biggest failure that i've that i've had because i didn't necessarily have a nurturing relationship with my father so um it was very painful because he's gone you know but i had never had my father in my life as a father father i forget what i mean so it was it was painful because of the thought of what could have been in the future mm. but it was also I don't want to say bearable because death can never be bearable, but it was also, I don't know, because the relationship was never as intense yeah. anyway from the beginning. I don't forget what I mean, but it, it did hit me a lot with my mom and my two sisters because we have the same mother and the same father. So just they still younger than me. So I could, I had to carry that pain for them as well. So I, I do regard that as a fear, uh, a failure excuse me <laughs> but i mean there was a lot of fear as well yeah. but yeah but i think those have been like um the core failures but as you said i think that the failures are some way always just leading us to the to next something. thing mm. so i think maybe that's why it's not even like so it's not something that i'm able to then feel like oh i remember failing at a client but i do just remember failing at a client <laughs> now that I say that you know just one of my core failures for my business and I and I want to fix this failure was beginning of this year when I had just realized I want to go into this business for and I approach um this client and she's in the health space I'm not gonna say the name because I still need to fix that mm. but I approached her with the vision that I had for my business at that time and but I wasn't ready you know and she believed in me and I didn't deliver you know so it was a failure for me because i know because my mind my heart and my entrepreneurial instinct knows that i could have done better but i couldn't do better because i wasn't ready mm. and the way that i handled it as well was not what the liet entrepreneur i believe she's capable of being could have handled it so i think that was a failure for me but it's a success because i've seen that mistake and i will never repeat it again mm. and i plan on obviously fixing it but when i'm ready because i can't it also taught me that i can't take chances with people's businesses and people's mm. money I, i you need as an entrepreneur you need to know your story especially if you are a service oriented entrepreneur mm. or a product oriented because you don't want to sell people something that you not ready to sell to people like rather work on yourself and until you're ready put yourself out there i know it's a mm. contradiction because sometimes you have to go for it but don't go for it at the expense of other people's yes, business other yeah. people's time and other people's money, money. Mm. you know so that was a failure for me and yeah i'm actually so happy i just remembered it right now mm. yeah it was a serious failure for me you are one of very few people who actually embraced it. so i i always say well, to the people around me that like people don't like using the word failure you actually you're using it very casually and mm. i'm i'm very aware of how people use the word failure because i think we've made failure such a bad thing mm. but it's not necessarily the worst thing because like you say we learn from it mm. so we need if you don't acknowledge a failure like you can't learn from it you, yeah. you know we we keep fluffing things around and we're like oh it's not a failure oh, but i don't like the word failure but how will you learn if you don't know and mm. I, i like that you actually comfortable enough to say I failed at this but I'm going to fix it you know because mm. the whole point of failing is to learn right yes yeah, very true you will always learn something if you want to anyway yeah you can true. choose to ignore it like mm. I said but yeah that's 
That's beautiful. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so those are all the failures. <laughs> yeah. But we we learn and we move Very on and we true. get better. Mm. That's the whole. We have to get better. Yeah. And we won't get better if we don't look back at it and be like, okay, this happened. And I can do better here. And now I can do better here. Mm. Or if I can learn, I cannot repeat the same mm. thing or whatever it is, you know. Mm. Okay. So, should we gonna go on and on forever? If <laughs> <Yeah. I can. laughs> so it's really like it's great. This yeah. conversation is beautiful. beautiful. So okay. Um, as you might know, I always ask my guests this question. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I listen to almost all the podcasts. So like, you know it's yeah. coming. What would you tell your younger there self? There it is. There it is. There. <laughs> if you could go back, if you could go back and talk to your younger self, what would you say to your younger self? What would you say to Le- younger Liat? Wow. You know. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I thought about it prior, yeah. <laughs> but I now feel like I have a different answer and I'm going to allow myself to trust myself. You know, you know, just... I'm not going to lie. I've thought about if what, what what I would say if I answered this question. And every time I think about what I would say, I change my answer mm, every time. It changes all the time. <laughs> and I think that's the, that's the beautiful part of it because this moment now is mm. my younger self mm. as well. This mm. moment, I'll look back at this moment as this my younger self. This is your younger self. self. You yes, know what I mean? Yeah. So. But I think now, especially after how authentic and how beautiful and how really refreshing this conversation has been for me as well, I think I would tell myself, my younger self, that I'm so proud of you. Mm. I really think that's what I'd say to her. Like, because, I mean, in everything, the good, the successes, the bad, and the failures, I'm here now. And imagine that, like how how amazing is that, you know? And I think I would really tell her that I am so 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 proud of you. Sure. Like you've you've enjoyed, like you've, you know you've you've just been at it. Like you've believed in it. You've believed mm. in yourself. You've believed in your vision. You've believed in the vision that God has for you. And you haven't really thought of yourself as lower or undeserving of that big vision that God has for you. You've, you've just literally stood there and taken it all in. And I think I would tell her that. I tell her that I'm so, so, so proud of you. And you didn't allow your background to define you. Mm. You didn't allow your circumstances to break you or to, you know, to make you fall into bad parts or parts that you don't believe are for you mm. and directions that you don't want to be part of, but because of where you come from or how you grew up and what you exposed to, you didn't allow all of that to define your path, but you defined your path in alignment to what you believe for yourself and what you believe God believes for you. Mm. So I think I tell her, I'm really, really proud of you, Liet. I am so proud, girl. And keep going. <laughs> you got this. You got this. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, I think I'd tell her that. I'd really tell her that. I know she probably wouldn't believe me because she'd probably be thinking, no, I still need to do more. <laughs> and and check off. <laughs> She'd yeah. be like, no, I still need to do more. I'm not doing enough. I'd be like, no, you're doing very well. You, you're doing exceptionally well. Mm. And you know, Oprah said something very, very fundamental. She was having a conversation with Maya Angelou and she says that she was telling Maya Angelou that, you know, I've done so many mistakes. I've done, I've done such bad things and, you know, I regret doing that. How did I allow that person to use me? How could I have been so vulnerable? Like, why am I so naive? And Maya Angelou said, listen, you did then what you knew was best for you. Mm. So now you know better. And when you know better, you, you do, do better. better. I love that quote. Yeah. You know? And I'm a quote person. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's true. You don't shame yourself for the things that you didn't. You, it, it was what you had to do at that time. Mm, based true. on where you were at, mm. in your life at that time. You know, so I mean, mm. so I think it goes back to then saying, just be proud of yourself. Be proud mm. of your journey. Be proud of where you are. Because the second you become proud of it, you then embrace it. So then it allows you to see bigger. But the second you look down at where you are, you just draw so much negativity to your path. And mm. you draw so much negativity to the direction that you're going and you blur out your vision. But if you're proud of whatever it is, because you might think that it's a small success, but it could be a big success for the next person, mm. you know. 
because what are you weighing it against? You know, I always ask myself that. I'm like, okay, um, I think, oh no, that's just, it's just a small thing. Okay, a small thing compared to what? You know, because now it goes back to them saying, because you've seen someone who's done something, but you don't know. Maybe they think it's a small thing. Mm. It's a small thing compared to Oprah for them. Mm -hmm. or it's a small thing compared to Bill Gates. But you might think, oh, it's the biggest thing ever. So I just, I think it goes back to that. Just embrace your journey and your path for what it is for you. Mm. Going back to the whole thing, it feels good for you. Because it's supposed to feel good for it you. It should feel good for and you. And it will only start feeling good for other people when it feels so good for you. And it will just, the energy will just move on to the next person. Because mm. you never do it for the next person. No. You do it for yourself. You do it for yourself. And you said this about the podcast. Yeah. yeah. When I was telling and you about yeah, we spoke outside imagine of this and I was like, I just people. did this podcast for me. Like, literally, that's what it was for. And imagine how many people it has touched yeah. and how many lives that it has changed. And it was only done for you. And had you sat down and said, I want to do the podcast for Liat. I want to do the podcast for the next girl. It could have never been this. Because it, you, it has to come because you don't know me. Mm. You don't know how deep what I need is. But if you do it for yourself, I can relate. And even if I'm relating 20%, I'm relating mm. as far as I can relate, you know. So... Yeah, hello and wow. Thank oh, wow. You. Thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> okay, so before we just wrap up, how can our listeners get in touch with you and see the work that you're doing and get involved with yes. you? Yes, they can um, follow me on Instagram. Um, as much as my Instagram is very professionally orientated because I just prefer to only post about my work, but I engage a lot on my on my stories. Uh, but they can follow me on my Instagram. It's Liet at Liet underscore Madinane. Um, I also have Facebook. I'm not that active, but yes, <laughs> it's Liet Madinane. And I have LinkedIn. I'm also really trying to find myself around LinkedIn as well. Yeah, no, LinkedIn is a tricky place. I'm not going to lie. Me too. I'm just like, oh. Yeah, I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I'm I'm very intentional mm -hmm. in trying to actually get to the bottom of it. But I'm really trying to find myself. But they can definitely connect with me on LinkedIn as well. It's Liet Madinane, as well as on um, I have a website. Just currently reworking on it, but it's www.lietmadinane.co.za. Okay, and yeah. I will I will link all of these in the podcast. Yes, as well. please do. <laughs> Thank you so so much. Thank wow, this you. has been epic. This has been beautiful. I know, oh. perfect timing. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, guys. If you like this episode, take a screenshot and share it with us on Instagram or Twitter at She Brigade. Don't forget to leave us your feedback by giving us a rating and review on iTunes. See you in the next episode. Bye.